0: Hi, it's Wednesday night, I'm starting, I'm experimenting with a forced podcast of the week. Um, it's crazy, but I was asked um, the other day by uh, Salas Fancy a friend, and uh, a good friend, if I should undertake to do, at least time to time, something on tefillah, on Davinic Shmanesri. I'm not 100% sure what he means. I don't think he's ever going to show me but it doesn't matter. I'll see how it goes. Um, if we can talk about, I imagine, what's the historical background and that sort of thing of prayer. So, my first thoughts tonight are to um, to feel all together. Uh, because I know what we have today, and we know once upon a time it wasn't there. So, the question is what's the evolution? Now, as there is a history to prayer in Judaism, there certainly is a history to the siddur, although a lot of it's obscure. <clears throat> but the fact that a siddur eventually merged is of the most important significance in the history of Jewish people because it's what I always call one of the three elements of the portable fatherland without the, which the Jewish people could not have survived. Not to use too fancy English, but without the three components of a portable fatherland, the centrifugal forces would have overpowered the centripetal forces, and we wouldn't have a Jewish people today. It's bad enough as it is, but it would really be impossible. So sometimes in by Cheney, uh, it was created, uh, they emerged, uh, and also before, uh, three critical elements that enabled the Jewish people to remain a people, even though they weren't all in the same country, and even though eventually they didn't even have a church, and they did not have geographical as I always say. All right? The three uh, elements of uh, Port of the Fatherland, what united the Jews, is the same Bible, the same calendar, the same prayer book. All right? Uh, it's like the air we breathe. You take it for granted. You understand? But without we won't be uh, together. Uh, in the beginning of the Baishan appeared somewhere along those lines. I mean, I know the tradition. The exact details are unclear. They emerged what you and I call the Tanakh. If I want to simplify it, I'll simply say the Achikenesik the Tanakh. The Chumash was already there. I think I mentioned it's just the other day in podcast. But the other parts, the Neviim and Kasum we're not there, obviously. Let me put it this way: in the time of Shemuel and Navi, there was no there was no Navi. You know, it when the Nach, right, right, they weren't written yet so um, by the time you get to Anche Hesikdola, or somewhere along those lines in that era there emerged what we call the Hebrew Bible the, the Tanakh of 24 books <clears throat> now I can't overemphasize the importance of that that means wherever Jews are they have the same book same Torah Shubik suppose we had different scriptures <clears throat> it would be impossible to even have a dialogue if we have the same book so we can fight I could meet let's say for example a skeptic or a foreign Jew or something like that who says, I don't believe that there really was an He said, All right, but we're talking about the same event. You understand? I could say, I don't agree with the, your interpretation of Anam We're talking about the same story. But if he says, I don't agree with your interpretation of Hupta LaBomba, and I say I don't agree with your interpretation of Bezesh Meza, neither of us you know, we're talking past each other. <clears throat> so for Jews, it's all being the same page, that they're talking about the same book, even the argue with the same book, is an element of first importance, even though most people don't realize that. That's number one. Number two, same calendar. Imagine if in one place to keep pace up now, in another place to keep pace there, it'd be impossible. May wherever the Jews are, since we all have the same calendar, so, especially in the old days, but even nowadays, wherever I go, I could be a Shafi'ati going to the Ashkenaz, I could be a Turk going to Kukamanga, you know, but if it was going to be a shoulder in Rangoon or whatever, it's going to be, you know, the first day of Pesach, the second day of Pesach, the Amam Tovim, Makadish uh, Yisrael Azmanim, and so on and so forth. And the Shachrus is going to be Asher nasan, the the it's, it's a powerful element of, 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 of commonality. And again, I don't think most of us appreciate it. I know there's a couple of differences in the Schoes between Sparta and Ashkenaz, all that, but it's relatively minor, let's be honest. Okay? It's rather minor. So this puts us on the same page. Uh, I'm sorry, that was the calendar. And then if you're talking about the same prayer book, the fact that we all, like I said before, have the same set of prayers, more or less. I mean ninety nine percent, ninety five percent, means that I could walk into any shoal at any time and just pick up where I am. You know, like I said before, if I walk on Friday night into a shoal in Italy or something like that, if it's an Orthodox show of any type, I know what they're gonna say. You see? So these are extremely powerful elements. Well, on the other hand, once upon a time, they did not exist. Now, the calendar maybe existed, but uh, the the Torah that we're talking about, the broad Torah, and the uh, prayer book didn't exist. Now, the broad Torah, I mean, you had the Chumash from the beginning. So that's something to go on. But for the first thousand years or so, 800 years, the Jews were all in one country. So let's talk about that for a second. Was there dominating or not or anything like that? in the time of Bayes Risha, in the time of the Shoftim, before that, what do we know? We know nothing. We know very precious little. The Ramam suggests, and I don't want to do the Rambam today. Maybe I will before I'm done. I'm just seeing where this goes. But um, the Ramam suggests that in Bayes Risha period before Bayes Shani, prayer was uh, pretty much a free-for-all. You could say whatever you wanted. Okay? So in his scenario, which makes sense, uh, not 100%, but makes sense, there were no synagogues. There's no situation of the minion exactly. There's no form of prayer as we have it today. The and didn't exist and so on and so forth. Um, it is a little strange but that's what he says. And uh, where he gets it from is a separate question but that's what he says. Now um Carbonus you had. So what it mean for an average guy out there once upon a time long ago to daven which is the word we use for prayer. It didn't go to a shoal, there wasn't any. Didn't have a sitter, there wasn't any. He couldn't say Tillum, it wasn't the him didn't exist yet. <laughs> so what'd you do? You see? That's a fair question. As best as we can tell, in the ancient world that time, they did things through a carbon in one sense or another. Now listen closely. This week is Parsha Parsha's deals with the book of Vacra actually deals with the official cultic sacrifices the official things of Qal at the national level. The Karbonas that are brought to the central location, the Mishkan or the Base Migdash, that's where all the action takes place. And, um, you know, and, and and that's where the Karbonas are with all the rules and regulations. So that means if and when I go to base Besam then I do it this way and that way. But most guys didn't go to base Besam all the time. And especially in time of the Mishkan, it's rather Rare. Read the beginning of Shmuel. Elkanah, his wife, used to go once a year, whatever it was, to the Mishkan, you know. And he's a fun guy. And he didn't live far away either. You know, he lived quite close. What did people do if they live in Eberi What did people do if they live in the Galil? I mean, did they slip all the way to the Mishkan? Now, if you're following the rules of the Karim Pesach, the answer is they did. Assuming that everybody went all the time to Karim Pesach, is the way they're supposed to go. But who knows if they did? There are plenty of times people had idols of a Zara, Shoftim is full of this Shmuel Mlochem. You know, well, you know that, right? On the VM. So, did everybody go talk to the pay a long time? finished. Okay. Aside from the logistics questions, so what did people do? If you read closely, it seems that what people did was they were offering privately or in their own space. Some kind of an offering to God, and in giving something to God, it seems to be uh, that that was the way the person was showing respect. Now, it didn't have to be an animal, although it could be okay, it could be a thing you could pour, like a mincha, you know what I mean, you could pour wine in the ground or something like that. And there were no rules and regulations again. I repeat, the book of Ikor is for the Kahanim in the Mishkan, and later based on Migdash, it wasn't based on time I'm talking about the in the Mishkan. On the official public level. In fact, I just mentioned this in my Shul Zoom tonight. The attitude of the Torah is to try to regulate and control all the carbonus as much as possible. If it was up to the Torah, nobody would bring a carbon except under the direct guidance of Moshe and Aaron and you know their successors. That way you make sure, as we say today, is done under rabbinical supervision. You see? Otherwise, when people were in their own, all over Israel. One end to the other, who knows what they did? The Pesal Micha story indicates in, in the book of Shovetim a lot of people offered cover in a secretistic way. They would, uh, you know, offer up to a statue of God, or maybe Alpha 1 to Hashem, but also a little bit on the side to Baal, to Asher, Verves. All this kind of stuff happened. You understand? So I'm referring to what they call the Bumos. No, I'm not. The Bumos are already a level of um, formality. The average guy. Let's say he wanted the wife to have a baby, wanted the cow to work, wanted this to work. He would, you know, he'd say, Listen, Hashem, I'm showing you a sign of respect. Uh, I'm, I'm offering up uh, some peanuts or something like that. Now, you think I'm being funny. I'm not. Well, you think everybody had a bull to shout? You know how much money that is? You have a whole ox, a sheep. It's not to so push it. You understand? Instead, what a person does is they offer up certain things. In the world of that time, um, offering up something was a sign I'm serious, and that was the dominating. I'm talking about a serious person who faces, as we all do, issues in life, and is moved by that to prayer. The Rambam argues that there was a requirement, a halachic requirement, assuming that people knew all the halachas, which is by no means clear in the recent period. The Rambam argues that there was a, a mitzvah deraisa to talk to God at least once a day. Right. He goes so far as to say that there was a structure to it. It was the beginning, middle, and end. I mean, really? Is that what people did? Yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, but the key element of what he says is this spontaneous, like the Quakers. Person one is something you say to Hashem in a respectful way. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, please give me this, and this, and the other. So instead of Quakers, I'll use a Jewish metaphor. It's a Breslov. You see? Total Breslovism. Go go watch your you know. You talk to Hashem like I'm talking to you right now. And you ask for things, and you pray as, as strongly as you feel like it, or as weakly as you feel like it. But the idea is you're in communication with Hashem. If I remember correctly, Ramban disagrees. He said, you know, it's up to you. You want to, you don't have to. But that's already using the language of halacha, of formality. We don't know what people did. I know that it always says, when You go through the history books of Shemuel, Melachim, Lo even the good kings, with one or two exceptions, when able will get rid of the Bumas. And the Bumas were local altars in the town, or like you say, in your backyard. It's a little bit now in the Corona. Now everybody in the Corona has their own minion in the backyard. Uh, so since he may make his own, uh, at that time there wasn't even me. Min- now you, you're, you're conforming to the regular sitter, but you're doing it in the backyard. That time, you bet, a a carbon in the backyard. There are no rules and regulations. Uh you know, it doesn't say you do the blood this way and that way. You can't eat blood, I understand you can't eat khelev, but there's no rules of a moorin and you know Lena and all that stuff. So it's a much more naturalistic and simplistic way of praying. The big problem was, it seems the syncretism, that people mischikarain pagan elements in the prayers. That's why it says Nechomish, they got to watch out for those people that to, to, to do the blood and you know to sacrifice the demons and all kinds of things like this. And there are many uh, Sfarim that talk about demons now, right? If you if you go through the history of this farm, the written last 1, 1,200 years on uh, on prayer from time rishon and morn. It's a good amount of mazikim and demons and things like it. Don't 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 kid yourself, okay? I'm not saying Maimonides don't like that, but there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, you know, we have coming up, and I do them and you do them, you know? Uh, according to many sources, that's where the El you know, Shavu al comes from, and things like that. So um, keep that in mind. Now, in this system or this world in which everybody did his own thing, every girl did her own thing, so, so uh, there's no regula- regularity, no regularization, no regulation. Now, that was a problem when it led to the syncretistic business. Because the person may realize or not realize it, but, you know, you could be davening in the wrong way. You could be talking to reshuyos. I mean, the average person doesn't understand all this kind of stuff. The people could imagine. I mean, the peso Miko really means the person was trying to imagine what God looked like. Even if you pinch yourself and say, it doesn't really look like that. But the idea of making an idol for God or something like that, means a person said, I want an approximation, and uh, he didn't realize that's an avodah zor. He did not realize it's an avodah zor. They didn't mean bad. It seems, and they didn't realize it. So the original davening for a thousand years, a long time—was not any kind of formalistic way. Uh, it seems to have been connected with offerings. The offerings could either be animals and things like that. That's one possibility, or it could be menachos and wine, and things of that nature. All of which symbolizes the fact that the worshiper is saying like this, I acknowledge God your superiority, I'm offering you something as a sign of acknowledgement of your superiority. But it's a slippery slope to say, I'm giving you a gift. <laughs> you understand? I'm giving you a gift. That, you better not say. But what do I mean by that? No, it sounds like God's taking stuff from you, you know. But... Uh, you know, I'm sure people felt that way. Now, it's very interesting that uh, that can easily degenerate into the idea that says, you do a sin, you give him a gift, and uh, shine. It's like it's like I bribed the local officials, I bribed the cops, I bribed the the, the, the the local authorities. I bribed God. Then the Vera, you know, you see this, to my mind, very brilliantly portrayed in Psalm number 51 where it says, where King David is is confessing the sin of Bathsheba, and he sometimes is very desperate over there. It's a fascinating capital. I'm sure I must have done one time or another. On the other hand, I'm sure I can rely on the fact that you don't uh, remember. But look at the uh, capital number 51, and you'll see, he says, I did wrong. Well, I didn't exactly do wrong and um, and then he says, no, I see this doesn't work. And give me a new heart. And it, and, and towards the end, you know, David said like this, he says, I know I can't buy you off of the carbon. I would give that in a second. It's almost like he's feeling it out, right? It doesn't work, right? And then the end, he has to acknowledge, you know, Sibza. That the real carbon is a broken heart. Uh, but that's the in and high Madrega have to be confronted directly by the prophet that God knows his sin. You see, Chatos and he says rare. And that only comes after he says, It's all in that, in that capital. See, even King David, the genius of prayer, was finding it impossible to come up with the right words, he says in Psalm 51, to pray to God in regard to his sin. And amazing. The guy who wrote to tell him, is saying, I don't know what to say. I don't know what he's supposed to tell you. Whatever I said until now is not good enough. So it's a challenge to pray. And pray in a non primitive way. Primitive, you had. That's what he says. I mean, to, to, to give you carbon, that's easy, <laughs> right? To give you carbon, that's easy. You know, put $5 in confession box and say, three Hail Marys, your sin, be forgiven. You know, like that. That doesn't work. Well, Dabba on his lofty level, he said it doesn't work. That's why we couldn't tell him. How many people at that time saw it does work? So prayer was, uh, as I understand it, and I wasn't there, and the sources are not clear, was the business in the bias region. Obviously, the Hechere mentioned, the Nevi'im, the Tamid chachamim. People obviously had a loftier idea. But they did not share with us. And it doesn't seem they shared with the public a single specific way of, of praying. We find Shemuel Novi led the people in a prayer session. But if you look over there, what did he do? They offered a carbon. So you see the idea of giving God an animal, giving God wine, giving God this, seems to have been the form of worship that was natural and made sense to people once upon a time in a way that wouldn't make sense to you and I today. <laughs> Even though we say in the shaman and we're saying no we won't bring the Basin Miggas back and all the rest of it. But fact is, we've been away from Basin Miggas a long time. I do not believe that today, in this day and age, that people say you give a, you know, a carbon, that that constitutes the prayer. Yeah, most people say, that's not prayer. That's excess, to, you know, what's an extra to the prayer. <laughs> Maybe it's a Hakdama the prayer. You know, something like that. <laughs> so, Bamos flourished, unregulated bamos flourished. Um, When it says in the Tanakh, a bamos didn't get rid of the bamos, it means, you know, the from and the not from, but even the from bamos were problematic, because who knows what was included by the people in that kind of prayer. Again, if you read Shemuel Olive closely and a few other places, you get a little bit of the idea, but it's not clear. Shemonesri and the other things didn't exist. Having said that, it's hard for me to understand that there was nothing, you know, uh, formal. Uh, you know, the base image is far away. I don't understand what the Torah had in mind when they said, once the base image was built, then the, the Um, I understand in the historic negative sense that they wanted to burn out all the private ways of dominant because there were a lot of mistakes being made. Like I say, a lot of paganism and things like that. That is true. Why doesn't the Torah say, thou shalt set up synagogues and pray there, you know? But it doesn't. Right? It doesn't. So did they get people getting together on Shabbosim, when Yom Tovim, to have some kind of a, a davening or a talking to God session? You'd think so. It doesn't say so ever. It doesn't say so ever. So it is strange um, because the person has to have some kind of way of communicating with the above. Uh, especially a person having trouble in life, you got to have someone to talk to. And it can't simply be. I'm bringing you, you know, a carbon. Although I do understand, and so do you, that giving a gift to God has a has an interesting zakh to it. You know, when you when you give, you, you feel like you have a kesher. It's funny, and remember, it doesn't have to be. Uh, if it's a bumble, you know, dolly dollars. You know what I mean? You can give any little thing. The average little schnooker, you know, just you get some grass or whatever. But um uh the, the idea of a connection with the divine seems to have been uh, held back or somewhat primitive. There's something along those lines. Now, it is true. You can come back at me and say that it's not fair. At that time, there was a tremendous Yitzhara of Ad-Azar. That is correct. And, you know, this is before Ezra and the Antichrist to go Mavat Mavata, the of Once you tell me there is a chiv or an opportunity to pray to God but on the other hand, there's a tremendous Yetzirah of It's kind of almost understandable that idolatrous elements are going to enter into the religious service. Right? If there's a tremendous Yetzirah of as there once was, so it's no, it's no question that you got to watch exactly what you're doing. That may be why they didn't even want to have formal prayer. I don't know. You know, Again, when the base of Asia is built, what they're really saying is there's only one place where Karbana should be done, one place where formal prayer should be done, and that's under the supervision of Kohanim, and they're the Frumis, and they should make sure that there's no other elements going into it. But how many people went? And like I said before, you know, if you tell me they went on Pesach, let us let me stipulate that. Say people went on Pesach, because Mitzvah says it's I'm sorry, what am I saying? It's Mitzvah says it's Bukaris. Uh, that's what I'm to say. Mitzvah says Did they go in the other uh, Shal Shagong? Near Yushalam, I'm sure they went far away from Jerusalem? You really think so? Think about what I'm about to tell you. A guy lives 100, 200 miles away from Yerushalayim. He gets the Peso. Then he goes back home. Then he's got to turn around and go back on Shavuos. You think so? You think so? No trains, no planes at that time. It People had to develop their own modes of what works locally. That's how I understand it. And their dominating was correct, was incorrect. Uh, clearly, if there was any element of formality whatsoever they would have used psukim from the Chumash, I suppose like Shema Yisrael and, and so forth but beyond that we will not know beyond that we will not know uh, the on each itself went through ups and downs if you read the book of Malachim and Diri Yama, you'll see that uh, a good element of Chal Yisrael went down the tubes right away with Yeram in the butt so what was Tfilah what was dominating in time Yeram when the ego goes up with official religion <clears throat> and sometimes was added to Baal and Asherah. So what was Tefillah? You understand? Those kind of kings of the kind that would closed down the shoals anyway, if there had been such things. And even the king Yehuda, which was in the south, at least half the kings were, were no good, and maybe more. And some were so bad that they closed down the base of Magdash. Well, I mean, if they closed down the base of Magdash, they're definitely going to close down local prayer groups. So again and again and again, I keep returning to the question, what was davening like in the very beginning's of the history of Jewish people, even though we're talking about a thousand years, it's a long time. And you definitely had novies running around, but you also had the opposite of novies. And you had a tremendous Yitzharazara. So there was always a push or a dynamic to somehow or other include pagan elements in your worship. That's the Yitsar of And uh we can discern those, you know, like I said before, you know, the offerings, it's 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 very tricky what you offer to. And the um what shall I say? The Neveim speak about this, uh, but what they mainly speak about <clears throat> is the attitude of El Chipo. Why do you bring, if you're offering God a carbon, why do you bring a lame animal, a blind, or something like that? That are, You know what that sounds like? The The system of dominance, such as it was at that time, whatever you want to call it, lapsed into rote. Once it becomes rote, that on such and such time you bring a local animal, your local carbon, and your local bummer, if you just do it by rope, then you're going to pick a cheap animal. You see, because it's just yitzigman. You see? Uh, only someone that's really moved, you know, is going to take the trouble, and bring a good animal. This is the language you find in the, in, the Naveen, in places like that. those kind of languages. And so we see that the period, which is the dawn of the Jewish people, was not characterized by Shacharism and it was not characterized by Shimon Esri. Uh to Ramban, you don't even have to have it at all, and May did not <clears throat> ever, except maybe during a crisis. According to Rambam, he has a formal way of looking at it. He says you have to say a few words, you have to speak to God respectfully, you know, a little praise, a little this and that. I can't believe that people, mamas, you know, followed his blueprint. Maybe they did. I mean, uh, you know, he's smarter than me, but it seems like very. um, uh, Hardwired, structured. Uh, but having said that, uh, what do people do when disaster hits? When SARS hit? <sighs> it seems that they got together under, under sometimes under uh, the leadership of a navi or whatever. Uh, but that's a one-time deal. Okay. So how did people make it through the year? Had a farm. Well, part of it, I I su- suspect, had to do with the fact that the Jewish people in reach period were mostly farmers. There's nobody more religious than a farmer or more superstitious because you're dependent on rain and all this kind of stuff. And even the Kriya he said, If you do I'll give you rain. If you don't let I'll cut off the rain. You know, the says, blow your mutter. So if you're looking at God as a tit for tat, you know, an immediate presence, and if you pray and beg to him or give him uh, gifts like carbonas, he'll give you rain and otherwise not. Well, I don't know. You know, it doesn't seem so sublime doesn't seem so sublime. So we have, now just all by way of uh, of introduction today, we have a certain paradox. On the one hand, you had real Nevi'im. There were people that Hashem mom was talking to. Okay? On the other hand, you had a vast public that God was not talking to, and they were not talking to him. Right? And to most, they were giving him gifts and treating him like a like a person and saying, here, I'm trying to, you know, offer you uh, carbonos and things like that. In return for that, give my wife a baby. In return for that, give me crops this year in good rain. All right, you know, uh, it, it doesn't seem highly developed. Now I'm sure that Sadikim and people like that prayed spontaneously in a brisk, in a bristle way, in remarkable ways. If you look at some of the VM, you can sort of see how eloquent they were, but they didn't seem to leave us when they kind of blueprint, right? It's funny. It doesn't say anywhere Yeshayo got the people together and say, This is what you should say on this and this time, or this is what you should say in the morning or evening, or this I should uh, you know speak about Shavuos. Or whatever. The Tanakh is kind of notorious for leaving out all those uh, you know uh, features. So what do we do with this whole bias speech? It's very hard to get a handle on it, right? When the base of me is destroyed the end up in Babel, so then all of a sudden is a new Messias. The Jews are far away, they're cast away, they're in uh, exile, uh some of them want to give up, some of them don't want to give up. Uh, we do find Daniel, Daniel, in Babylonia composing his own prayers. Isn't that interesting? We find him praying for, for days and days at a time. Well, he's an unusual individual. Okay? He's an unusual individual. And um, you know, he's Ishkanudos. Doesn't say the whole class are always davening over there. In the time of Queen Esther it doesn't say pray for me, does it? It says <laughs> So it doesn't say, does it? <laughs> but it doesn't, say, it doesn't say davening, okay? You and I transpose that automatically, but it doesn't say davening. <laughs> so formal prayer in the sense that we have it, even in an approximate type way, uh, is unclear, doesn't seem to exist. But there's something that bugs me and says there must have been, you know, some like right? Some way it does. Must have been people, you know, quoted from the Torah in some fashion or another. Uh, but it's a good question. Now, things start to happen um, at the beginning of the period when the Jews returned to Israel, uh, led by Ezra, who is a prayer. If you read the book of Ezra, he composes prayers. Uh, then things seem to have taken a different level, uh, but that's something I'll, I'll I'll jump to next time. So consider this part one, and we'll move on in some future occasion in part two. And with that, I bid you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.com Support